0: You're listening to The Fly, the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode number 29, believe it or not. And we're calling this one the trifecta of terror in Toronto. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw show. The guys are on from 530 until 10, Monday through Friday, on your official home of Cubs baseball. Of course, that is 670, the score. And as always, I'm joined by my good buddy Crowley. Crowley, how the heck are you on this Thursday?
1: I'm doing good. Uh, you know, that Cub off day came at the right time for me. I needed a little breather. But you can follow me at Crawley's Cubs on Twitter. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FlyTheW670. You can also follow us on Facebook at FlyTheW. And you can email us at fly the W at 670. w 670 at gmail.com.
0: Yep, I get the break. I'm sure you could use the break. I'm sure I could use the break. Uh, hopefully the Cubs are enjoying today off in St. Louis. I'm assuming they're already there with their feet up. Maybe they uh, rode the arch. I'm guessing they didn't. But, uh, yeah, it was a trifecta of terror up in Toronto. Uh, the Cubs did avoid the sweep, however. We will let you know how that happened. But Game 1, we had Javier Assad making his uh, big league debut against Jose Barrios, Game 1, Cubs-Blue Jays up in Toronto.
1: Well, you remember Javier Assad actually got to start with St. Louis. So this is his second start. Ah,
0: second start. Sorry, Carl. And
1: so he actually, you know, he did good against the Cardinals last time out, and he did well against Toronto, you know. So you just – the the main thing about these type of situations, and we'll talk more about it throughout the podcast, is just you can't get over excited. Even though I am going to get over excited later, but uh, <laughs> you can't get too excited on the ups and downs. You know, we saw we've had different guys come up and come down. We've had Caleb Killian come up, come down. We've had other guys come up, come down. And and sometimes it works out really well. Sometimes they they need to go back and get a little bit more work done. Um, but a good good game for Javier's side. You got nervous because in the bottom of the first. He gets two outs, but then he loads the bases, and he gets uh, Biggio's son Carvin or something to uh, line out to end the threat. So weird to see Craig Biggio's kid in there. It's starting to make me feel old. But once he got through that, you know, it kind of settled down a little bit, and Javier looked good once again.
0: Yep, he had a nice game. I was uh, I was impressed. Obviously, I forgot that he had a, a, a first big league start, but uh, maybe I was on vacation that week. Um, it, was but, uh, it was the double header. If you it was the double header, if you
1: remember, so that was a crazy okay. long game. All right. All right. That's what it was. But
0: anyway, yeah, he looked good. And that then, you know, again, th- this is one, this is one where we're talking development over winning, no doubt about it.
1: And so we get to the top of the third and uh, Alfonso Rivas singles, uh, Christopher Morel strikes out, but then Nick magical singles. He so got Cubs at the corner. Wilson grounds into a force out. Uh, Rivas scores. Magical is out to second. Contreras to the first. The Cubs get a nice one nothing lead. And you're going to see a pattern here of the Cubs getting leads early in games. Mm-hmm. Just a question of whether they could hold on to those leads. Top of the fourth. Three straight singles to start the inning. You got Suzuki, Reyes, Horner. Suzuki scores on the single by Horner. Reyes thrown out at third. That was uh, another questionable base running play by these Cubs. Something another? they really need to clean up in the off season, but the Cubs do take a two, nothing lead. Another, this,
0: this is something Crowley that's really got my rear end frosted. I'll tell you that we'll get into it as we go through this, but they, this, you know, five outs on the bases Give me a break.
1: Serious. And and it's not just been like, you know, like one game, you could say what the heck's going on. This has been a pattern of the Cubs. Yeah. yeah, A trend trend. of the, Mm -hmm. of the two plans. And so we need to find out, you know, how to correct, you know, the Cubs have to figure out how to correct that. Uh, get to the top of the six one out Reyes walks Nico pops out Ortega singles you got Cubs at the corner two outs Berrios is done so they put a pinch hitter PJ Higgins to replace Alfonso Rivas Ortega steals second and Higgins doubles Reyes and Ortega scores and the Cubs lead four nothing and I gotta tell you Dustin PJ Higgins is a guy that really just has done a lot for me this year really opened eyes
0: Yep, absolutely. I uh, felt really great about that. The, the the pitching change by the Jays backfires. The counter by Ross, full effect, does what it's supposed to do. And I'm feeling really good at this point, Crowley. I am feeling really good with that 4 nothing lead.
1: 4 nothing should be good, but it isn't because in the bottom of the second, Eric Ullman comes in, you replace Assad. Uh, He did fine in the uh, earlier when he came in in the sixth inning, but then he comes out for that second inning. And I think what you're seeing is Rossi's really trying to see who can go multiple innings as they're going to try to make it so that there's less pitchers on the roster for next year. And that second inning did not work out well for Ullman. Uh, Matt Chapman leads off with a walk. Uh, Tapia singles. You got Blue Jays at the corner. Hot he comes out for a mound visit, he tells him to do better, but it doesn't help. <laughs> Danny Jansen hits a three-run blast. And the Blue Jays now trail the Cubs 4-3. to three. Manny Rodriguez off the IL comes in, the man rod, and shuts down the inning. Bottom of the eighth, man rod still pitching two outs. Caravan Biggio doubles, Matt Chapman singles. Biggio scores, and now the game is tied at four. That gets us to the extra inning. Top of the 10th, Nelson Velasquez is your Manford man at second. Ian Happ lines into an unassisted double play. More bad base running this time by Velasquez. Top of the 11th, Suzuki starts at second. Framel Reyes singles on a fly ball to right. JBJ throws out Reyes at uh, second. Another bad out on the base pass. Suzuki at third, you got one out. Nico grounds out to short, Ortega walks, PJ Higgins strikes out to end the threat. So that's two innings with a man on second, nobody out that you couldn't score. That's only going to last so long. Bottom of the 11th, you have Jackie Bradley Jr. at second. Leiter walks Chapman intentionally. Santinago, Espinel bunts into a force out. JBJ out at third, Chapman at second, Espinel at first. Danny Jansen, who hit the three-run homer earlier in the game, singles to walk it off. Cubs lose five to four. What do you say? That was
0: the that was the Danny Jansen game. I mean, yep. that that was it, and you and you ran yourself into too many outs on the base pass. Way, 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 way too aggressive. Way too aggressive. Yep.
1: And uh, with the Cubs, you had Javier Assad go five innings, four hits, zero runs, two walks, eleven Ks. So you know, great game by Assad. Eric Olman's the one who gave up the big three-run homer. Offense, the Cubs scored four or the Cubs struck out eleven times. Sorry about that, but the uh, Cubs scored four runs on fourteen hits. Nine left on base, three for 13 with runners in scoring position. Magical three for five, Reyes two for four. But for the Blue Jays, uh, Barrios went 5.2 innings, 10 hits, four runs, one walk, four case. Offensively, they had five runs on nine hits, 11 left on base, three for 10 with runners in scoring position. And, Dustin, the Blue Jays have such a cool uniform. Why the hell were they wearing those stupid red uniforms?
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's Canadian, if that's what it was for. Was it another Canada Day? They have a lot they get a lot of days off in the summertime up in Canada. Um, their summer is even shorter than our summer. Um, they get a lot of time off on, on Mondays and Fridays. They do a lot of holiday and four day weekends up there. So maybe that's the point of it, supporting, you know, Canada all red, or just, you know, obviously
1: Crowley, just another way to make money, sell more merch. It uh, bothered me because it reminded me of the Cardinals, and, and it just didn't – like I said, the, the Blue Jays have a very cool uniform. So takes us to game two, Marcus Stroman versus Kevin Gaussman. We, we thought this was going to be a good pitching duel, and, and it was good pitching. But in the bottom of the first, uh, bases loaded, uh, Stroman gets Teoscar Hernandez, remember that name, to ground out to end the threat. Top of the fourth, Wilson Contreras, homers on a fly ball to left. He is noticeably hobbling around the bases. He doesn't look good at all. He's come back from that injury for the Field of Dreams game. I mean, wow. I mean, he homered is great. But then when the inning's over, he puts on his catcher's gear. Like, what are they doing there?
0: Yeah, he is so stubborn, though. I think this is, you know, I think we heard from David Ross about this yesterday. And and it's just the x-rays are negative. He's okay. But he's still a guy that wants to go out there and play. And Ross has to respect that, he said, but at the same time, he has to protect the player from himself.
1: Bottom of the fifth, one out. Danny Jansen's hit by a pitch. There's a pass ball by Wilson. Uh, Jensen gets to second. LBJ lines out. Springer walks. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Vladito singles. Games tied at one. I like this. Top of the sixth, and Marquis did a great job showing this. Wilson's talking to Christopher Morrell, who's in an over-18 slump, and he's trying to tell him, stand up a little bit more in your stance. Get a little bit up higher on the ball. And what do you know? Christopher Morel hits a solo home run to center, and the Cubs lead 2-1. Great stuff to see. And, And just that leadership from Wilson that we've talked about before is really great.
0: Yeah, they seem to have a really special relationship already.
1: We get to the bottom of the six, and Brendan Little makes his MLB debut he hits Mo Bichette with a pitch. Again, it was one in the foot, so it wasn't like he you know, was way off. But, you know, you get that's how you start. Then Matt Chapman hits a little roller to the pitcher's mound, and Little loses his footing, slips getting to the ball. Tommy Hadovy visits, says, settle down, you're good, no problem. But then Teoscar Hernandez, three-run homer, and the Cubs trail four to two. Two games in a row, three-run homers. Top of of the seventh, two outs. Nelson Velasquez walks. P.J. Higgins walks. Christopher Morrell doubles. Velasquez scores. Higgins to third. Cubs trail four to three. But unfortunately, Madrigal lines out to end the threat. In the bottom of the seventh, the Blue Jays get that run back. Vladito, solo homer, home run to lead off the inning. And that makes it five to three. One little other uh, interesting thing to note here you saw another debut you saw the debut of brendan little that didn't go so good and honestly other than the ball he gave up to uh to oscar hernandez that threw in home run he looked okay but it's but the slipping
0: too, Crowley. it's the slipping it's all it's it. gonna happen it all, you put it all in a bag and it's a hot you know what
1: but 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 what you're looking at is is how do these guys look did that look great no but pitching wise the pitches he threw again that grounded a little that he slipped on that was a good pitch Okay, that, that one by Bo I mean, that's just like a little fluky one that caught him just like on the, on the top of the toe. Right. You know what I top mean? Top. It wasn't like yep. he was just getting shelled out there. Oh, no, and then sure. what you want to see is Jeremiah Estrada absolutely opened a lot of eyes um, and, and pitched well, and he was – between him and Manrod, Manny Rodriguez, those are two bullpen arms to watch. These are guys that could run it up there, and that was fun to watch. The Cubs lose 5-3. to three. Strowman ends up five innings pitched, three hits, one run, two walks, 1K. Again, just not going deep. The offense had three runs on seven hits, six left on base, one for two with runners in scoring position, 12 strikeouts, Suzuki two for four, Morel two for four with a homer and a double, and two, and uh, we uh, that was good to see two RBIs. For the uh, Blue Jays right here, you saw Gossman just look great. Six innings pitched, five hits, two runs, one walk, nine Ks. The offense had five runs on six hits, seven left on base, two for five a scoring position. But it was Vladimir Guerrero who was three for four, two RBIs, and a homer.
0: The most troubling thing, Crowley, between these two games here is the 22 combined strikeouts.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it was frustrating. Gossman's a guy that can really you know run it up there, but – it, it just, you know, for a team that's supposed to make contact, they have too many double-digit games when they're striking out. Takes not us to def- game three, Crowley. Yeah, not the marquee matchup that we were looking for here. Game two more was marquee. But, yeah, Luke Farrell versus Mitch White. And we talked about Farrell. And, and we thought it would be Farrell or we thought it would be, uh, you know, Mark Leiter. But Farrell's a starter. He's done it before. Knows how to kind of get himself uh, warmed up and ready to go. So, once again, Cubs take an early lead. Question is, will they hold it? top of the first one out? Say Suzuki doubles. <laughs> Reyes strikes out swinging. Ian Happ singles. And the Cubs are up early. Uh, you Top of the second one out, Jan Gomes singles. Alfonso Rivas walks. Morel flies out. Gomes advances to third. This is classic here, the old bait-and-switch play, okay? So you got Gomes at third. You got Rivas at first. It's the the old Rivas is trying to steal second. And as they throw to second, Gomes, the catcher of all people, takes off and scores there. Of all people. And that'll give the Cubs a nice 2-0 lead. Fun little play there. Top of the third, Zach McKinstry triples. a grounds out. Uh, Reyes reaches on a fielder's Troy. Whit Merrifield throws out McKinstry at home. Nico does double. Reyes goes to third. Reyes gets to third, Nico doubles, Reyes and Hap score, and the Cubs are up 4-0. Rafael Ortega with a shallow fly that lands between the third baseman and left fielder. Nico scores, but Ortega, how many times is this guy going to get thrown out on stupid plays? He gets thrown out trying to reach second. The Cubs lead 5-0, but just, again, stop with, like, okay, if it's Nelson Velasquez, you know, he's a young kid trying to impress some people, blah, blah, blah. This should not be happening with a veteran.
0: No, and Ortega had about four too many at-bats in this series for me. I, I understand him playing one out of the three games, but he played every bit of two of the three games in this series. That's way too many at-bats for Ortega.
1: Bottom of the third, Teosco Hernandez singles to left. Cabin Biggio homers and the Cubs lead is cut to 5-2. to two. I'm having deja vu of the last couple games. Top of the fifth, two outs. Franmil Reyes homers, Cubs lead 6-2. to two. Bottom of the six. Eric Ullman on the mound again. He gets Springer to pop out. Vladito hits a ground rule double. Lordis Gurriel's hit by a pitch for the second time in a three-game series. Eric Ullman gives up a three-run homer. This is the trifecta of terror. What are the odds in three straight games that Cubs pitching are going to give <laughs> up a three-run homer? The Cubs lead is now 6-5. to five. And I have to get some peptal dismal at this point. Top of the seventh, David Phelps, yeah. former Cub on the mound. Alfonso Rivas doubles. Morel strikes out bunting. What are you doing bunting? Zach McKinstry singles. Rivas scores. The Cubs lead 7-5. Rowan Wick, Canadian, bottom of the ninth. I need more peptal dismal. But he gets the save. And the Cubs win 7-5. To Total bullpen game. Seven pitchers used. Pharrell started and went two innings. Manrod picks up the win, Wick the save. Offense, the Cubs had seven runs on 10 hits, two left on base, four for 11 with runners in scoring position, 12, Dustin, 12 strikeouts. McKinstry, two for four, Hap two for four. Reyes with the home run, Nico with two RBIs. Uh, The Blue Jays, Matt White, 4.2 innings pitch, 8 hits, 6 runs, 1 walk, 5 Ks. The offense, Biggio and Kirk homered. Kirk with the 3-run homer. Vladito, 2 for 4. And Teoscar Hernandez, 2 for 4. But as you're talking about, with all these strikeouts, it just is absolutely way too much. Way too
0: much. Is that 33? I mean, if you strike out 33 times in a 3-game series, you're lucky you didn't get swept. They're very yeah, lucky they didn't get swept. That's all I'm going to say.
1: And and we we talked about bullpen and, and before about how it's tricky right now because you know you traded the back end and these are tryouts for guys and David Ross right now is trying different things and it may frustrate you as far as the bullpen usage but he is not and, and this sounds counterintuitive he's not trying to win games he's trying to see. Okay, if I put you in this situation, can you handle it? If I if I have you go in a dirty inning, if I have you pitch multiple innings, if I put you on for the 5-out save. This is what David Ross is looking for. But be excited about some of the arms coming up here. Like I said, Manrod, like I said, the guy is is if you go on Twitter, the pitchers last year, the 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 young guys were doing deadlift challenges. These are strong, strapping young men. And when we talked about the failure of the earlier regime and the last great Cubs team to develop pitching, a lot of times they played it safe in the draft. Where with some of these new guys that you see, they took flyers on guys that had high ceiling that throw the ball hard, and 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 that's what you need in today's modern baseball game. Is you can't, you don't want your relievers to pitch to contact. That does you no good. You need a guy to come in there and light it up, 98, 99 triple digits again when you when you saw that when you saw the other day when you see manrod hitting 96 97 98 when you see jeremiah estrada hitting 99 touching 100 that's what's going to make this cubs bullpen even better so very much looking forward to see that it's one of those things that we're looking at as far right. as it's, development it's tryouts pattern. right
0: it's true right. you're you're 100% right Crowley you you you're you're calming down crazy cub fans like myself right now you are actually <laughs> you are actually mellow crowley right now i kind of like
1: it well because i'm excited because i am excited and my hope is is to continue to see these young guys and and give them opportunities again i don't need to see too much more of luke farrell i don't need to see too much more of some of these guys uh, I don't know. I, I know they keep thinking that they got something in Rowan Wick. He's, he showed flashes of brilliance. He's struggled. I don't know why he can't get consistent, but, you know, I, I really want to see some of these young guys, and, and trust me, the arms are really out there. They look really good. And, and, and keep in mind here that one thing that we talked about is when the Cubs won the five straight series, they faced a lot of easy teams. This last stretch right here are teams that are in the playoff race. When you talk about Milwaukee, when you talk about St. Louis, when you talk about Toronto, and and this is a team with the Cubs that don't that doesn't have the ability to finish just yet, but they played competitive, they played competitive ball against a team that is out of the AL East, and we've talked about how strong that division is and and they played them pretty well and you know unfortunately like i said you had one pitcher give up both give up two three run home runs and another pitcher give up another three run home run you know woulda coulda shoulda but this is a team that's not ready yet but but you see signs of improvement and that's what i'm looking for passion drive and patience
0: You're listening to The Fly, the W670 podcast. This is season number one. It is episode number 29. We're calling this one the Trifecta of Terror up in Toronto. And joining us now is Greg Hughes, co-founder of Northside Bound, Real Cubs Insider, Growing Cubs podcast, Rosters Expanded. And we'll find out with Greg what we can expect.
1: Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, a man who wears many hats. He is the co-founder of Northside Bound. He writes about prospects for Cubs, Real Cubs Insider. Uh, He has the Growing Cubs podcast, Greg Hughes. Greg, did I forget anything on that long resume of yours?
2: No, man, that's about it. That's about it. uh, I'm staying busy, that's for damn sure.
1: (laughs) Well, today marks September 1st. Which usually is a very interesting day. Explain to baseball fans out there why September first is such an interesting day.
2: Yeah, I man. Well, in the in the past, we've seen rosters expand, and when rosters expand in the past, they've been to the full forty-man roster. Where we're not seeing that anymore with the new with the new rules and everything. We just expand up to twenty-eight players on a on a major league roster, as opposed to the full forty. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a good opportunity to get some guys, particularly prospects, some some more playing time up in the big leagues, get that cup of coffee up in the bigs and, and see what they still need to improve to get ready for that that major, major test, you know. But uh, it was obviously a much bigger deal back when it expanded to 40 rosters. You can see the dugout, you see the really field dugout and it'd be like overflowing with players, like way too many players in one place. Uh, but now we get, we, we get two. We got to see uh, Jeremiah Estrada stay up, which is always always fun to see.
1: Now, do you anticipate anyone else coming up in the near term?
2: I, I figure this next month we, we could get a real taste of some of some more prospects because uh, there, there's a this big roster crunch this offseason, right? There's a lot of guys that are probably going to be uh, DFA'd off the roster that are currently on the major league team. i look at looking at guys like Ortega and Schwindel and guys like that. Uh, but then there's there's a, a real crunch for the 40 man roster because the Rule Five Draft is coming up, and there's a lot of players eligible for that 40 or for that uh, Rule Five Draft.
1: And Explain so, the Rule Five Draft real quick for the list. So the Rule Five Draft
2: is after a guy gets drafted or signed as an international free agent, they can only spend so many years in a team's farm system. Um, before the major league team has to add them to the 40-man roster or risk exposing him to this r- Rule 5 draft, which is an opportunity for all the other teams in the league to draft this guy if they think that a player is ready for the major leagues. And when, when a guy gets drafted, they have to stay on that other team's major league roster for the entirety of the next season. So basically it's a way so that like if the Cubs have – a whole bunch of guys that are Rule 5 eligible, they don't stash all of them and keep them all in the, major, in the minor leagues. It's a way, if a guy earns his way up to the major leagues, that he actually gets to the major leagues and doesn't just get stashed.
1: Hector Rondon is the guy that I think about most when it was a, he was a Rule 5 pick for the Cubs and had a huge impact yeah. uh, on the 2015, 2016, 2017 teams. So, you know, you, you can get some diamonds out of there, but if you're the Cubs, you risk losing some good players as well. Yeah. And so I'm
2: thinking this, this September will probably be an opportunity to potentially add a few guys to the uh, major league roster that they'd probably be adding anyways uh, to that roster. You know, I mean, there, there's guys that we've already seen like Jeremiah Estrada was one of those guys that was almost assuredly going to be added to the 40 man roster this offseason because he's, as we saw in his appearance in Toronto, like the stuff is way too good to risk losing him to another team, you know? And so the idea is to go ahead and add him to the major league roster now, because if they are going to be added over the offseason, like what's a hurt. So uh, Jeremiah Estrada was like the prime example of that um, going into the spring or going into the se- September. I'm sorry. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that he's finally gotten his chance for sure.
1: Now the, the, the issue that kind of is bizarre here is that normally the minor leagues are wrapping up around this time. But because of the CBA and, the, and then the lockout and all the issues, the, the minor league season is extending later. Do you think that throws off the Cubs' plans at all, anyway, or not too much?
2: Um, I, I don't think so. I think that like you're looking at a guy like Hayden Wisniewski who might get called up, and I don't think that I, I don't think that the the Iowa the A season coinciding with the major league season. I don't think that's really gonna have much of an impact i mean if a guy's a guy that they want to try at the major league level they're not going to keep him in AAA just just because the season's also running simultaneously you know what i mean so um yeah i don't think that really affects. It, it would have affected it if there was still the 40-man roster the entire 40-man roster getting called up to the bigs but because it's like a couple of guys i don't i don't think it really has that much of an impact
1: and so now now you're taking a look at guys that are getting called up. And the thing that I liked, Manrod, obviously, um, coming back from injury, and you talked a little bit. You're starting to see some flamethrowers, which is really exciting because for so many years it's like I look at every other team and they got like four or five guys coming out of the bullpen throwing 97, 98, 99. And I'm like, well, where's that for the Cubs? And and, and now it's starting to bubble up a little bit.
2: Yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's- – I mean, like people don't like hearing this, but like that—that's the the pitch lab. That's the pitching infrastructure that people love to hate on all the time. But like that's showing—it's finally showing itself, you know. And we're seeing it with—we're seeing it with with relievers. We've seen it for, in my opinion, we've seen it for the last three years or so, as far as like major league like like rec, reclamation projects. You know what I mean? Like the, the guys that are signed for like veteran deals, uh, that the Cubs end up getting something out of those guys. So we've seen that for the past few years. Now we're seeing it have an immediate impact with the bullpen we've seen that with scott effros we're seeing it with jeremiah Stroud. we're seeing that with with bullpen guys and then it's only a matter of time before we start seeing it with with starting pitchers from the minor league system too so i mean it, it's a way of developing these guys and and there are plenty of guys like ben leaper is another guy that's in AAA that throws gas and has a has a nasty slider um you got guys that that are are Really good relievers. And we, we saw Hayden Wesneski, uh, who I mentioned a little bit ago, like Hayden Wesneski is a guy with that sweeper slider that he's not hitting like 99 on the gun, but he has that sweeper slider. That's a pitch lab thing. You know what I mean? So uh, it's kind of still it's shown itself and, and it, it hypes me up, man. It gets me excited.
1: Yeah, and like you said, I mean, I think we were all excited to see what would happen. Then you just get reminded, oh, yeah, it's not – you can't bring everybody up anymore. It's kind of cool because before it was like so many players like you mentioned, and then everybody's coming in and all these pitching changes. So I think it'll speed up the games in September and try to keep them more similar to what the season's like rather than what it used to be where all of a sudden – all these guys come up, and if you're a team that's not in contention, you're just trying out all these guys. It's not really as competitive a game. You know what I'm saying?
2: It, it gave, like, the spring training vibes, which I, I love spring training. Like, uh, coming from a guy who loves, like, the prospects, right? So I, I love spring training where it's like you, you get to start the game with the major league talent and then get to see all the prospects come in later in games. I, I love that. And that's kind of what the the September call-ups used to be like. It, it gave off that vibe, especially for a team, like, if the, if the game was a blowout or – very like situational, right? If a guy has blazing speed, it's like, all right, might as well put him in for, as a pinch runner because like we have him on our bench anyways, you know? So I don't know. I, I always really like that. I'm, I'm disappointed. It's not there anymore uh, for an entertainment value, but you're right. It will, it will speed up the game to a certain degree.
1: And so, yeah, at, at that time too, you are, you're also taking a look at the, like I said, just the possibility. They're just more realistic themes are more similar to what you had over in the season. Now, for me, when I take a look at, at kind of, some of the stuff that's going on the big story is Brennan Davis um had the nerve injury in his back and it was not a back injury but a nerve that was kind of pressing up in his back and so he comes to South Bend and 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 we we all knew this was going to happen very quickly promoted to Iowa what do you think the chances are that Cub fans may see Brennan Davis make his debut at Wrigley Field in 2022?
2: um just shy of zero percent maybe i don't know i i i don't think that it makes a whole lot of sense and i, I he does fit in the category where he's rule five eligible he will get added to the 40-man roster this hot season regardless um and then it, I, I just i think he's in the same position going into next year that he was at the beginning of this year where he's kind of competing for an opening day roster spot probably won't get it we'll spend we'll spend some time next year in triple a before getting called up i just don't think it it does any good, especially considering how how few at bats he's been getting this year because of the injury. That j- just let it play out, just let it ride out in Triple A. I-, I think that it's it is it's higher than some other guys that I know people are shouting for, like Matt Mervis getting called up to the bigs. Like I, I think Brendan Davis getting getting added to the to the major league roster is higher percentage chance than Matt Mervis, uh, but I still think it's pretty pretty low.
1: Oh, uh, you got it. You you're telling I'm me I got to throw you, away sorry. my. You're, I got to throw away my Mash Mervis sign that I have over here, ready to go for his call up. I, Man, not, I he's a, uh, he, he deserves
2: um, Matt Mervis deserves a call up. That's for damn sure. But he just it's it's not it's not going to happen. Unfortunately, <laughs> I wish, I wish.
1: So no Mervis, no Davis. What a, and you said Wisniewski. What do you think the odds are on that one?
2: Yeah, I think Wisniewski – I think there's a pretty good shot that we see him. I he he worked out of the bullpen. Well, kind of, he worked out of the bullpen on uh, yesterday on Wednesday. Uh, he didn't start the game, but he still went five innings. So, I, I think it's it's a good. There's a, a pretty high chance that we see him in Chicago this year, uh, whether that is working multiple innings out of the bullpen or getting a spot spot start. But I think Nesky there's a pretty good chance we see him and his just filthy slider up in up in the bigs this year.
1: Now, Greg, I was I was watching your Twitter feed the other day, and I think you had four. I don't know if it was four TVs, four screens. You were watching multiple, multiple Cubs games at the same time, and I was, I was like, man, I wish I, I, I should go down and visit him and grab a beer. We could do it together. But um, what I was looking at though is, is that it is getting to be an exciting time because you have what three out of the four affiliates looking to make the postseason, correct?
2: Yeah, 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 and
1: I mean, it's just been, it kind of that
2: kind of shows how talented the system is right now and you like you can't like it is i have as long as i've been covering prospects i've been saying this is that you you can't say oh a team is winning so they have good prospects and vice versa like those don't always coincide with each other because there are in the minor leagues there's different uh, different agendas it's all about like player development and not about winning those games necessarily now, it helps if a, if a guy is in a playoff chase. It helps if a guy is seeing postseason baseball because it's just an experience they get to have and it prepares them for the future. Uh, but those things don't always go hand in hand. But I will say that, like, if if you it, it does help to see that it does help to see those those guys competing with that mindset. You know what I mean? And, and seeing a guy like Pete Crow Armstrong, who is incredibly talented, but also one of the hardest playing like he he's got that Javi Baez in him where he's just playing his ass off every single day he takes the field you know and so uh to see that in a playoff atmosphere is exciting so yeah all these all these teams competing for playoff spots it's it's super super fun
1: and not only that though but like sometimes you know you kind of got some guys that are older in the system and they're beating up on some younger guys with the Cubs and, and what they've been doing a lot of these guys are very very young especially for where they are as far as the level of ball they're playing in
2: yeah uh and i think that it the the first place i point for that is iowa because the past four years or so i mean a long time four or five years iowa has been home to all the like the quad a guys you know what i mean like the major league depth the guys that are between 28 and 33 years old and they're not prospects playing in iowa for years and and I understood the reason behind doing that is because well the, the Cubs farm system wasn't as good these past several years, but also the major league team was competing for a playoff spot every single year, and so you needed that depth and not as much the prospects at AAA, but you needed the depth uh, of guys in AAA. And so, seeing all the prospects in Iowa right now is kind of wild because I'm not used to that. Like in years past, really, when I've been watching, like you mentioned, my like four screen setup of the four affiliates playing, like in years past. I love Alex Cohen and the broadcast at, at the Iowa Cubs, one of my favorite broadcasters, uh, but there was no prospects to watch. You know what I mean? So I was mainly focused on the other three affiliates uh, because I, I wasn't really interested in watching these quad a 33 year old players play in Iowa. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Right. Trenchy and Brony again, you know, you can only watch so many Trenchy and Brony at bats. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so now it kind of gets interesting because Myrtle Beach won the first half of the season so they're already in the playoffs they're they're they already have a playoff spot secured that's going to be weird because a lot of the players that were on that Myrtle Beach team are no longer there anymore so how do you see Myrtle Beach you know coming into uh the postseason how do you see that all playing out
2: yeah it's kind of interesting because yeah the way the minor league season is set up it's so so strange man like how they won the first half and like in dominating. Well, actually, they ended up winning by winning the division by only one game uh, because them and the team that finished second were like by far the two best teams in the, in the, the single light level. But uh, they were just like dominant. They were so, so good in the first half. And like you mentioned, completely different team. Like no PCA there. The entire starting rotation is gone. The entire starting, Luis Devers and Porter <laughs> Hodge and Tyler Schlafer and Richard Gallardo and Luke Little, all five gone. Uh, so it's a completely different team. But somehow Myrtle Beach has found a way to be relevant this entire season long, even through all the changes, because they are so exciting. I mean, it started off the year and it was seeing uh, PCA and Kevin Alcantara and uh, James Triantos and, and Reggie Preciado and all the bats that we knew were going to be there. And we were super excited to see. Uh, and then midseason, it became all about that rotation I just mentioned, a, a whole bunch of really talented arms in that rotation. And now we're seeing a lot of those guys moved on, but we're seeing a lot of like uh, we, we've seen uh, Moises Ballesteros, who's been super, super fun to watch. We're seeing Pedro Ramirez, who's up now. And so we're seeing a lot of like the super young guys now make their way up to up to the single a level in Myrtle Beach. And uh, it's just it, it's a way to kind of shine more light on in the playoffs, even though the team might not be quite as talented. There, there are still some really good players. Kevin Alcantara is still there. James Triantos is still there. Like I said, Ballesteros is there now. And uh, it's just more light that gets shined on these really like fun prospects.
1: Well, let's talk about South Bend because I saw that they have their magic number up there. It's getting close. And uh, out of all the teams, would you say they probably have the most likelihood of going the farthest?
2: I'd say so, man. That, that roster is incredibly fun and incredibly talented i mean all the all the myrtle beach arms i just mentioned again now they're in now they're in south bend plus you have daniel palencia and cole franklin who were holdovers from that roster so the rotation is very very good uh pca is now up in up in south bend you got owen casey there uh jordan wogu has been really hot you had Brennan davis making a rehab appearance there so the outfield was insane but he's, he's not there anymore obviously uh but yeah i mean you got Kevin Monty is over at shortstop looking good. Pablo Aliendo is fun behind the plate. So he's a lot of fun players in addition to like really talented guys. And they are – South Bend is a must-watch must, must watch team throughout the remainder of this season.
1: And then you go into Tennessee, and unfortunately I think injuries have kind of affected it, but they still have a shot, yeah?
2: I think so for sure. I mean, they, they again, like I, I think that that's been the bright spot. I, I'm, I'm I'm naturally a hype man anyways, but like that's – been the fun part about this system now is that there's talent all up and down the entire system you know it, it's it's not like only one team is loaded and that leaves iowa as awful or myrtle like it's it, the entire all four teams right now are fun to watch or have a whole lot of talent on them And so yeah i mean w- with tennessee uh, you got chase strumpf that's been there for a while uh, all season this year and he's looking really good uh, the rotation has Ryan Jensen back, and he's looking good. Jordan Wicks is, uh, should be back in the rotation sometime soon here. And uh, DJ hers has been uh, not doing as well since his, he got his promo- promotion up to A, but he still must watch TV every time he, he takes them out.
1: So, you know, that, that's the exciting thing for Cub fans is that as frustrating as the Major League product may be, to me, th- this has been as much fun as I've had watching the miners since you know twenty twelve, twenty three. You're talking about almost like, you know, nine, ten years ago. You know, this is there are there are a lot of good players to watch, and the fact that you could even watch them on marquee now that you don't have to go you know, with the Greg, Who you know, four screen stream, you can, you can literally turn on marquee and there you go. You got, you got, you know, Brendan and, and Max or, or Sam or, or yeah. Alex Cohen. You could sit there and watch. you know, Mick Gillespie, You got all these guys that you could watch, listen to. And, and like you said, it's not just, I just want to watch one guy, one at bat. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just fun to watch through up and down the lineup for most of these teams.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I've i loved what Marquis is doing with their that whip around show that they have with the, the Road to Wrigley. I mean, I think that it's when you watch that show, like that's what I do on a nightly basis. And, and, and the thing is, is with that, like it allows you to try to take it as much baseball as possible because it can be overwhelming, you know, I and mean, there's a lot of games going on, a lot of action going on. So, uh, yeah, I feel like when I am watching the minor league system this year, if there's a few nights that I take off cause I'm busy doing other stuff, like I'm at risk of missing some like major, major things that the, the system is like at, like it's just ready to like bubble up and go crazy on any given night. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, that that's a, uh, that whip around show that, that road to Wrigley that Marquis does is awesome. And um, it makes my life a little bit easier cause I'm not having to man the controls and change from game to game. I can just watch them.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that, that's Lance Brozdowski and Elise Meneker and they mm. do a great job. Lance has been on the show. And so you know, I just, you know, people look at me and are like, "Oh, why aren't you upset? Why aren't you more angry?" And I'm like, "Man, look, I, I, I've been there. You know, I, I've been there and done that. Like, let's let's move forward. The future is is way closer than people think. The one thing I keep telling everybody is the Cubs will do more in 2024, and the Cubs will thrive in 2025. Are you with me on that, Greg? Is that timeline sound accurate? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the next year they can compete too. I I think that we should. As long as the front
2: office spends some money this this offseason, I mean I, I think you need to supplement you you always, always, always need to supplement your prospects coming up with free agent signings. And I know that there's been a lot of chatter about from fans wanting to trade these prospects this offseason for major league talent. And like I, I said it before, like I couldn't I couldn't be more against the idea of trading from prospect depth um, that is not yet in in Chicago for major league talent at this point because i i just don't think i don't think you trade prospects away to take your team from bad to good i think you trade prospects away to take your team from good to great and right. obviously this is not a good major league team right now so I, I just don't think it makes sense at this point i understand like the logic behind it i understand like the thinking that there's depth there but you're just taking a, a bad team and, and hopefully making it good by doing that and losing out on, on prospect depth
1: and and the and the thing that people don't understand, especially with that first, you know, that with the World Series team is that they analyzed what they had, who they wanted to build around, and then supplemented with free agent signings. Okay, we know that Russell's our shortstop. We know that Rizzo's at first and Brian, you you knew what you had kind of here and there. Okay, now we get a Jason Hayward. Now we get a John Lester. Now we know what we got. Let's 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 attack it that way. And that's kind of what I think, you know, is the smart, prudent move.
2: And I've said it before, too, that it's one of those things where they have built this system to be good in a completely different way than they did 10 years ago, like completely different way, I guess, eight eight to 10 years ago, where before the World Series run, like the entire system was built on a year and a half or so span where your top players get called up. You saw in a year and a half span, you saw, well, Javi make his like real, real return to Wrigley, you know? And then KB and Kyle Schwarber and Addison Russell and all these guys all at the same time, the way the system is built right now, it is not everybody arriving at the same time. It's you've got some guys this year. You saw Christopher Morrell and Nelson Velasquez and some of those those relievers next year. You're going to get Brennan Davis and Hayden Wisniewski and Jordan Wicks and guys like that. The year after that, you get PCA and Kevin Alcantara. And it's just they are building the system way different. It's much more of the Dodgers style rebuild than the 2016 Cubs style rebuild.
1: And not only that, you have a balance between hitters and pitchers. Whereas yeah. in the the World Series team, you had a bunch of hitters, but you'd be hard pressed to f- name any pitchers off the top of your head.
2: Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can't do it. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's that balance, both in styles of players and like the the timelines. You know. And I, I I love I love that. And because it keeps us entertained every single year, right? We we get to watch next year. We're excited about Brandon Davis. You know, the year after that, we're excited about PCA. The year after that, we're excited about Drew Gray. There, there's there's guys that are always going to be coming up, and it's exciting to watch. You know, and even guys that surprise us too. Like we we didn't expect. I, I knew Chris Chris Morrell would be ex- an exciting player. I didn't expect him to be that good right out out the gate. You know what I mean? I know he's come back down to earth a little bit, but uh, I wasn't expecting that. And so like we're even getting surprises in addition to like the top prospects we see debuting.
1: Well, you know that's part of the development, the, the drafting, the development, everything that they've done. Greg, you know, I was in a good mood, but now I feel even a better mood after talking to you. And, and, and hopefully, like I said, I'll just stash my Matt Mervis, uh, mash Mervis sign just, uh, wait, 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 well, wait a little bit longer, but thank you for coming on. <laughs> Tell people where they can follow your work and find you.
2: Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at out of the vines. And then you can find, uh, the podcast that I host with my co-host, Jimmy Nelligan. It's called Nor, or it's called, uh, <laughs> the growing Cubs podcast. Uh, you can find that anywhere where you're listening to hear, uh, by the W. And then uh, you can find my written work over at Northside Bound, which is a, a website dedicated entirely to Cubs prospects that I co-founded with a couple guys. And then a little bit of writing over at uh, Cubs Insider as well. So you can find me at all those places, and I appreciate you having me on, Carly.
1: We'll have you back on. We got, we got to do a summer roundup. Don't worry, Greg. But you take care you. And, and keep those screens buzzing, okay? All
2: right, man. I appreciate it.
1: Take care.
0: You're listening to The Fly, the W670 podcast. This is Season 1, Episode 29, a trifecta of terror up in Toronto. Crowley, thank God, that one's in the rearview mirror. The good thing is the Cubs did not get swept as we're dropping this podcast, recording it for you. It's Thursday. The Cubs are resting down in St. Louis. Maybe they went on the Budweiser tour. And we are now going to preview the three-game series down in St. Louis between the Cubs and the Cardinals.
1: Yeah, the Cardinals of course in first place in the NL Central, 76 and 55. They're 6 and 4, in, they're 6 and 4 in the last 10. The Cubs played uh are in third place, 56 and 75, 4 and 6 in their last 10. But if you remember, the Cardinals were streaking pretty good, and so the Cubs played the uh, Cardinals about a week and a half ago, August 26th and 27th. They took 2 of 3, which again 2 of 5. So they there was a that 5-game series, but they did a good job taking that. So the hope here is is that they continue to have a good series. Now, this is over at uh, Bush Stadium right now, game 1, 7:15 central time. You got Adrian Sampson squaring off against Jordan Montgomery. Adrian Sampson, I was at that game that he pitched last time and he got rocked by the Cardinals. He gave up he went 3.1 innings, gave up five runs on eight hits, no Ks. He's going to be facing off against Jordan Montgomery and if you remember Jordan's outing, he pitched a nine-inning One hit shutout last time against the Cubs. He has completely dominated the Cubs in two starts against them this season. The first one was when he was with the Yankees, and then the Yankees traded him the Cardinals for a bag of magic beans, and then he had that fantastic start against the Cardinals.
0: Well, let's hope it goes the opposite way. I mean, really, Adrian really couldn't do much worse than he did that day against the Cardinals. So, I mean, the bar is set low right now, so it can only go up. I'm, I'm hoping for good things in this one.
1: And Jordan Montgomery can't get much better than nine innings of one-hit ball. Exactly
0: right. Exactly (laughs) right. So somewhere in the middle, right, and then maybe the Cubs won't strike out double-digit times and they could get a victory here.
1: Game two is going to be on 6-15 Central Time. You got Drew Smiley versus Adam Wainwright. Smiley was the tough luck loser against Montgomery. He did great. He went seven innings pitch, four hits, one run, two walks, six Ks. He gave up a home run to Pujols that was just ridiculous. It was Four feet up in the center of the strike zone. There's no way Pujols should have hit that for a home run. Somehow he did. I don't know. Maybe give him a test of some kind. But uh, Adam Wainwright lost the last time out a 2 nothing <laughs> decision. Uh, he went six innings pitch. He gave up five hits, two runs, four walks, three Ks. But a very steady performance by Adam Wainwright. Not You know you lose a 2 nothing decision and you're a 90-year-old pitcher. That's not too bad.
0: No, nope, not too bad at all. I mean, Wayne Wright has been around. He's seen it all. He's done it all. I'm really curious to see how many games Poolholes plays at home against the Cubs. I mean, you know, the place is just going to be absolutely packed.
1: Oh, absolutely. And they want him to get 700 home runs in the worst possible way, but they're in one of those tough situations where they're also trying to win a pennant. And if he's, you know, we're going to talk about who's hot and who's not, if he's not hot, you know, do you hurt the team by having him play? So we'll see. But we got game three, a day game, getaway game, one fifteen central time. Good pitching matchup right here. Marcus Strowman versus Miles Michaelis. Marcus Strowman last time out, very similar to Adrian Sampson. Not a good start. You remember this was the getaway game last time, and Dustin, you were you were steaming through the ears on that one. He went five innings pitch, gave up eleven hits, five runs, two walks. One case. Let me just add something here, Dustin. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think career-wise, and this doesn't bode well for Stroman's Cub career. I think he has something like a 14 ERA versus the Cardinals. He is just a team that the Cardinals, for whatever reason, can just pick apart really easy.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping for the best. I mean, Marcus Stroman grew on me during the uh, Wednesday broadcast. He uh, did a great job talking to the crew. He's a really nice guy. I just wish he was as good of a pitcher as he is a talker, Crowley. Um, I'm seeing this series, again, don't, just don't get swept. Don't ruin my holiday weekend by getting swept by the Cardinals. I'm hoping, I'm hoping for one, and I'm thinking that Friday night might be my best chance for some reason because I just don't think the pitchers can do as bad and as good as they did the first time around.
1: Yeah, the Cubs actually uh, uh, they, they Michael got to Michaelis the last start. He went 6.2 That's innings, but he gave up six hits, five runs, three earned. So another decent start, but but Michaelis, you know, it, it seems like the Cubs are kind of starting to figure this guy out. It's about damn time. Um, who's hot and who's not? Seiya is in one of those hot streaks right now. He's batting three sixty four. Fun to watch. Nick Madrigal. You know, Dustin, you know, this is the guy we expected to see, a 300 hitter. He doesn't hit for a lot of power, but he keeps getting on base some way or another, and the defense is looking really good. Who's not? Uh, Friend Reyes, 217. Wilson Contreras is hitting 188. And so, uh, obviously, that hobbled ankle, I don't know how much he's going to play. We'll see what happens, but that has to be affecting
0: him. Crowley, really quick, and I I got to be honest, I don't even care who's hot and who's not for the Cardinals. Okay, they're they're like so off my radar. But Wilson's hobbled, and then there's this report from our guy Gordon Whitmire about the fact that you know don't be surprised if Wilson's not a Cub and nobody thinks he's going to be that he ends up in St. Louis taking it in for Yadier Molina. Oh, I mean, oh my god, I mean that is so disturbing, Crowley. I don't know how you feel about that. Maybe you don't even want to chew on that right now maybe you don't even want to digest it maybe you, you want to think about it over the long weekend but Wilson yes. Contreras in a Cardinals uniform for like the next eight years would absolutely be paint Wilson Contreras even though he's been to St. Louis a hundred times he does not get on the bus he does not get on the plane he's not invited Tom Rickett, send your plane for Wilson and let him go see his brother play wherever the Braves are playing this weekend okay Wilson Contreras does not make the trip no recruiting visit to St. Louis for Wilson Contreras if I'm the Cubs
1: well, Dustin, let, let me put it to you this way. I was listening this morning when I heard you guys talking about that. I want to say about uh, 6.30, 6.45-ish, and I almost fell in the shower because I brought up that scenario in one of our very first episodes about the idea of a Wilson Contreras going to St. Louis to replace their tattooed neck, overrated catcher in yadi or Molina. And, and I know – you know, it, 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 it's something I brought up because I remember thinking about that, that who's going to need – I was thinking, looking at the free agent market of the offseason, who needs a catcher? Right. And who that name came up. Now, that being said, when you talk about the weakness of Wilson and what his knock has always been is his framing and and, and, and his handling, calling of a game. And that is something that Yadier Molina, he, he is not a great – he had some great seasons hitting, but what made Yadi special – if you ask any Cardinals fan, is his ability to steal strikes and handle a pitching staff. So I don't know, because for the Cardinals, that is such an area of emphasis. I brought it up before just to kind of scare the crap out of Cub fans, and I'm sure Gordon's doing the exact same thing right now. But I will tell you, I'm, I'm not that worried that that could happen.
0: All right. Well, I said, Crowley, that I'm hoping they don't get swept. I'm calling for a one out of three, and I'm looking at Friday's game as the game I'm going to go for the Cubs to win. How are you seeing this one go over the weekend?
1: I see the Cubs winning one out of three, but I like game two, Drew Smiley versus Adam Wainwright. That's the game that I think that Smiley's been had an amazing month of August. Wainwright is still Wainwright, but I, I think that the Cubs are going to get to him.
0: All right, well, just don't get swept, Crowley. I hope you have a fantastic holiday weekend. I'm sure you're not going to be in St. Louis. You'll probably be in another state, but it won't be in Missouri. Uh, we thank you guys, as always, for listening. It's a wrap. This is season one, episode number 29, the trifecta of terror in Toronto. Let's just hope it's not a trifecta of terror in St. Louis when we get back with you early next week.
1: And don't forget to follow us this weekend for all your Cubs news at uh, FlyTheW670 on Instagram and Twitter, FlyTheW at Facebook, and you can email us at FlyTheW670 at gmail.com. Go Cubs.